to truly contemplate refuge, we need to not only contemplate perhaps what we're taking refuge from or what we're taking refuge in, but something even more basic. What is the fundamental human dynamic that would necessitate refuge? And I'd like to suggest that it's basic sensitivity, the sensitivity of the organism, of the body-mind. The sensitivity to touches and sometimes what touches the body is raw or harsh or sharp or too hot or too cold. One can take refuge in this sense, perhaps in something as simple as clothing, shelter. When possible, but sometimes it's not. Not everyone could take refuge when the climate changes or when there's famine. Light touches the eye. And sometimes it's too much. One can take refuge in darkness, in sunglasses, in shelter. Sometimes we can't. Sensitivity to sound, sensitivity to taste and smell, sometimes we can take refuge, sometimes not. Not in the sense of uh, external protection anyway. Partial refuge, you might say. And what about that sixth sense, the mind? How sensitive is the mind? How do you take refuge from the noise and the harshness of your own mind? How can you get away or put a covering but we find our ways of dulling the mind of obsessing the mind the calluses that we develop become a kind of false refuge the addictions that we develop because it's just too much. So 
So what is this sensitivity? And the particular sensitivity then when what is seen or what is heard or when the thought is associated with another human being or other human beings in our environment. When what touches the eye is the face of another who is perhaps suffering or who is angry and scary or is who perhaps who is so self-obsessed that they're lost and we can't find them and we can't find ourselves. Or the crowds of people or the groups of people when this touches the eye and touches the ear and touches the mind. And we can point to the insanity out there or we can point to the insanity in here, but the basic dynamic that I'm inviting us to contemplate is this very sensitivity. You may experience it now in the touch of the air on the face or neck, the touch of these sounds from this voice on the ears, the touch of your own thoughts here and now. And when you open your eyes and you engage in dialogue, the touch of another's voice of their eyes looking at you and all the intrinsic sensitivity built into this body-mind over millions of years of evolution, culminating in this very emergent moment, this moment. How is it for you to be such a sensitive being in a world not under your control, in a mind not under your control, a body not under your control. How is it to be so sensitive? What emerges or what comes out of you? What, how do you behave in the light of your sensitivity? I'd like to recommend that as you contemplate this, <clears throat> that you both let pause and relax support you. Notice that open will sensitize you to this moment even more fully. But let pause, relax, receive, allow, accept. be the meditation instructions that provide the balance for this penetrating Dhamma.
basic sensitivity. Pause, relax, accept. Before we can touch what might be called a true or enduring or profoundly workable refuge or way of being, we need to also know with a kind of a frankness false refuge, how we make do, how we get by, how we put up with or protect or shield or veil or hide or run or obsess or obscure. insulate, disappear. You can find what's true for you. It may be operating right now, it might not. But if you touch it out in the world, if you're speaking the truth in the pause, you can touch the truth of it here. This is really letting your practice reveal its wisdom and support you in unbinding. This is the living of the first noble truth, which is touching and knowing, turning towards the suffering. But here it's looking at the first line of defenses that we create when we don't know better. And we're all human. We all do this. There's no one here that's exempt from this. Sometimes it's extreme, sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it might just be chocolate cake. Pausing. We know the nature of this experience here and now. Relaxing, receiving. The mind is inclined, reminded to accept and receive and allow, to even calm down the muscles of the body. To meet the sensitive human experience as it actually is.
I'd like to invite a time now for walking and contemplating a turning towards a refuge that is actually wholesome and what that might mean rather than a refuge of disconnect, a refuge of being with. Um, you could name it any way that you uh, feel it. But what might it mean for there to be a wholesome refuge? Really contemplate that. And I'll see you soon. Thank you. What is true refuge? Refuge that is beyond the constant project of self-protection. A refuge that is beyond strategies of escape and disconnection. Refuge that is sufficiently thorough, sufficiently profound, that nothing is left out. Nothing includes aging, illness, and death. Nothing includes the complexity of human relationships. Nothing includes physical and emotional pain. Nothing is left out. What is true refuge? It's been suggested and practiced for millennia that the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha are refuge. But what could that possibly mean in the light of our here and now experience? This life, this body, this death, these relationships, this fear, this psychology, what does this mean? One of my teachers, Venerable Punaji Mahatera, said to take refuge in the Buddha is to take refuge in the mind of the Buddha. What is such a mind? What is the nature of a human being taking refuge in the Buddha's humanity, the human being? What is the mind of the human being that is beyond the flood, beyond the floods of death, of ignorance, beyond the floods 
of the constant dissatisfactions posed by the physiology and psychology of being born human. What is the human that goes beyond the what apparently would be the baseline human experience? How do you go beyond that? Beyond the flood? What is the mind of the Buddha? This is nothing short of what is liberation? What is freedom? Is it truly possible? Was this person with a body, with a brain, with neurons, with oxytocin and cortisol, the whole works? Who was liberated? Beyond death, beyond aging and illness, beyond pain, and yet completely subject to the slings and arrows of the world. What is this mind? How do you take refuge in this? How does this aim the mind? How does this seem like a possibility? Beyond all strategies of self-obsession, subtle enough, having seen through the magic show thoroughly enough, that despite the aging of the body or the death of the body is beyond aging and death, that despite the close connections with his beloved disciples, and seeing, being present for their death, he was beyond their death as well. What is such a mind? Could this be a refuge? Is the possibility of liberation real? This is your contemplation. Allow yourself to have the gift of don't know mind. You don't have to have every rational answer, but can you find your way into and allow yourself to be confronted by 
such a human possibility as liberation, the mind of the Buddha. Sense your own mind as you hear me speaking. This mind, this body mind, this flesh, this mind here. Is this human liberation actually a possibility? What what kind of mind experienced the vastness of compassion, the vastness of wisdom? What kind of mind was completely free and yet walked around northern India for 45 years? being available to all kinds of people from villages and kings and monks with problems, sangha issues, attacks against his character. (coughs) This was a true human life. And yet, it's put forth here and now to you as a refuge, such a mind. What subtlety of insight is this refuge? Even contemplating the refuge in the Buddha, the mind can get activated and the pause hmm, can be called on to support you if there's remembering. So this is just a reminder to Let your meditation practice support you. Go beyond good conversation. Let it be meditation practice. Continuing with the same contemplation. What does it mean to take refuge in the Dhamma? One can call to mind this Grove of teachings but what makes this into true refuge 
what takes it from uh, another form, however sophisticated, of self-protection, an edifice of either concepts or even heartfelt um, surrender to a system of thought, but still a system of thought. Dhamma to the mind, the experience of the Buddha, was simply the naming of natural laws, of dynamics that were perceived by the awakened mind, that's all. It wasn't a religious system, it wasn't a philosophical system, it was just a description from the pers- of the human experience from the perspective of complete disentanglement. But what does taking refuge in the Dhamma mean to you here and now, to us here and now? Perhaps there is some teaching that has touched you in such a way that it actually leverages you out of clinging in that moment. Perhaps there's some teaching from this trove that has provided guidance in method, in practice, and yes, I, 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 I will turn to that at, at the times when this body-mind needs that. Perhaps that there's some perspective on this life that in and of itself shifts for you how you relate to what you would otherwise run from, hide from. Somehow this body of teachings has carried down over these 2,500 years in such a way that people are moved, perhaps you are moved. How could such a thing carry through unless it touches human actuality sufficiently to stay alive? If it were just a philosophy or some kind of abstraction, couldn't possibly survive. So where's the life in it? Where's the true refuge in it? For some, this will have the most meaning as Buddha Dhamma. For some, it will have more meaning just as Dhamma or Dharma. But the question of refuge remains the same, doesn't it? This sensitive 
human experience in a world of complexity. So let the investigating mind, which is investigating not just with the intellect, but in the pause, the investigating the phenomenal experience here and now of entanglement and freedom. Let yourself be embraced by this question of refuge in the Dhamma. See what's true. Whatever Dhamma may mean to you, whatever kind of refuge this provides, we're invited in this next contemplation to touch the relational dimension of it, which of course you may find alive here and now, I don't know. And that's refuge in Sangha. What does this mean in light of refuge in the awakened mind of the Buddha, the human being, the human possibility, this possibility, in light of the Dhamma, whether it's natural law or the Buddha Dhamma, but the vastness, the beauty. Sangha, spiritual friendship, the community of the awakened, the community that has carried the teachings in monastic form, and the community of fellow beings committed. to both wisdom and compassion. The relational dimension as refuge rather than as simply source of more complexity and pain. Wow. Something in me wants to say this, so I'm just going to indulge myself. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. (laughs) Sangha as refuge. Without trivializing it, without going to tea and cookie sangha. Without losing the vastness of Buddha or Dhamma. Or without losing touch with the essential sensitivity that we started with, without losing touch with the meaning of false refuge and where we could go with Sangha as false refuge, what is true refuge? 
Let yourself be awakened, challenged, enlivened, inspired. As you explore together, oh my gosh, together. Refuge in Sangha. And closing our practice now with whatever would be spoken in gratitude or any such thing, and we'll join together. Thank you for your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.